You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello everyone and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm Chris McPherson and uh, I think you're going to get an edgier podcast today because uh, <laughs> my co-host, Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, we're all, you know, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday. It was Monday Night Football, so it's Tuesday afternoon, uh, you know, about 20 hours or so. After the loss to the Atlanta Falcons, opened the 2015 regular season, and uh, you know from the late night to the disappointing defeat, we're just all a little cranky. I think, to say the very least. Now, I'm excited to look forward to Dallas. I'm on to Dallas, so I'll pull that from Bill Belichick. Uh, D'Amico Ryan turned an interview with him on Sports Radio 94 WIP this morning, and he was talking about how you know electric atmosphere is going to be, and he's hyped up for it, and. You know, the team will be ready to go, and I fully believe it. I think Sunday is going to be an incredible atmosphere, and we'll get into that. But uh, I guess just real quickly, I'm just going to lament about the missed opportunity that was uh, Monday night's game against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you know, it was uh, especially tough. A lot of us got home at, at 2 a.m. last night, and, uh, you know, turning it around quickly, coming back in and, and rewatching the game just to get the pieces turned around. Um, there certainly were missed opportunities. I think that, like every other uh, opening game in which you, you lose or maybe it's a, a tight win uh, where it could have gone either way, there are always certain plays, and you can look at all three phases of the game where uh, you know if one ball bounced differently this way, if we made this block or caught this ball or uh, made this tackle, you know, you can go down the list uh, at, at certain plays in a game like that. But um, a lot to learn from. Uh, I thought there were a lot of impressive performances. Uh, on the line, both sides of the line of scrimmage, I thought that uh, Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox were great. Uh, one thing I noticed very early in the game was Atlanta was game planning to try and take Benny Logan out. Uh, you know, in, in terms of some of the tactics that they used up front, uh, in terms of pulling a tight end. No, don't, 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 don't. You know, don't we gotta go, save. Don't gotta save a little bit, but just to save some of it. Okay, yeah, it's an appetizer. Okay, right, appetizer. Right. Edgy. Edgy. Edgy dead. Today. Yes, you just let you're letting it flow. You're letting it flow. <laughs> Uh, Alex, you were there at the Georgia Dome. Uh, from what I was reading on Twitter, from what you could see on the ESPN broadcast, it looked like it was an amazing turnout by Eagles fans. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in the stadium itself? Yeah, the Eagles fans were great. Uh, as soon as the gates opened, I think it was at 5 o'clock at the Dome, the Eagles fans were the first one that, first ones in. They came rushing down. They went down to the field to watch warm-ups. They had the Eagles chance going. Uh, and then the Georgia Dome decided, okay, so maybe now we should start playing the music so that we can't hear all these screaming Eagles fans. They were Just, pumping in noise again? Uh, it was before the game, so uh, I guess this time it's okay. Um, Sorry there. But, uh, yeah, the, the Eagles fans were great. Uh, during that comeback in the second half, you could hear the defense chants when the Eagles defense was on the field. It's awesome. Um, so the atmosphere was everything that you could ask for. But my feeling about the game last night was after that first half, I don't think it's the game that the Eagles – deserved to win but it was a game that they could have won of course um they they had their opportunities they had a chance for the go-ahead field goal they had the ball in sam bradford in the offense's hands with two minutes to go um and they just couldn't get it done the the good thing is is that it's only the first game of the year so um i guess we move on from there but it's a game that the eagles probably didn't deserve to win but probably could have snuck away with a win how old is matt bryant he, he haunts my dreams he never, still. Has he ever missed a field no, goal against the Eagles? He doesn't miss against the Eagles. Uh, no, it's ridiculous. And I don't care what the stats actually say. He, he, has, never, he has, has never missed a relevant field goal <laughs> against if, the Eagles. If he would have lined up for a 75-yard field goal last night, he would have <laughs> I would have packed it up. Yeah, he would have made it. would have had it. I mean, here's the thing. Go back to that game, Tampa Bay. Ugh. 
Brian Westbrook scores the amazing touchdown. You're like, wow, this incredible win. Quick story about that game was, I remember Donovan McNabb was driving the Eagles down the field at the end of the first half. And we're in the Raymond James Day press box, myself and Dave Spadaro. And they get inside the 10-yard line. I forget the exact yard line. And Dave is like, if they don't score here, I will jump out the press box window. <laughs> and as the clock ticked down to zero, Donovan threw the ball. And I think he threw it to LJ Smith short of the goal line. And the, and the Eagles didn't come over with any points. And you just stood up and you hold holding the window open. Like, there you go. Spongy you go. But the thing is, so Westbrook scores a touchdown. You figure the Eagles are going to win the game. Matt mm-hmm. Bryant kicks, I think it was a 62-yard field yeah, goal. 62. And we look here years later, Brian Westbrook's going in the team's Hall of Fame, and Matt Bryant's still kicking field goals to beat the Eagles. So it's unbelievable. Uh, so for those of you listening out there, thank you very much. Make sure you subscribe, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, whatever. Uh, please rate and comment the show. Uh, we greatly appreciate the support. So... Uh, great show for you today. The interview, nose tackle Benny Logan, as Fran was talking about his exploits just a little while ago. Uh, game time with Alex Smith. Uh, something about on the bandwagon. It may have something to do with the opponent this week okay. and their fans, but I can't confirm. All right, and we'll get to some of your questions and mailing it in. But up next, three and out. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Now it's time for 3 and Out. All right, I guess I'll kick things off on uh, this week's edition of 3 and Out, and I'm going to look at the Eagles' secondary. Uh, Obviously, some struggles, some ups and downs throughout the course of the game, but everyone's talking about Julio Jones and Roddy White and the big plays in the passing game. Uh, You know, Chip Kelly talked about on Tesday why they didn't have Byron Maxwell shadow Julio around the field, and that would have limited the options coverage-wise of what the Eagles would be able to do. And really, for the Eagles, it's just a matter of they had poor technique at times. You know, there were times when Byron Maxwell would get the jam at the line of scrimmage, but then he would get himself out of position, or he would not, you know, get himself rerouted properly enough at the line of scrimmage and then be caught out of position. Uh, There were a couple times, look, give the Falcons credit for creating mismatches. There were times when the Falcons lined up in a run play, and then Matt Ryan checked out of it and would go to Julio on the quick slant when he was lined up against Nolan Carroll. And the one time uh, Connor Barwin almost batted the pass down, but uh, those were two of the chunk plays there. Um, yeah, and the, the Falcons did a nice job not only just moving Julio around, but they also took him out of the game a lot. There were times when, when me and uh, Dave Spadaro were up in the press box and we were trying to find, okay, where's Julio on this play? Where's he lined up? And he's on the sideline. Uh, and I think that you know he he runs a lot of deep routes. Um, so I guess in an effort to make sure that he's not winded towards the end of the game, they were rotating him in and out. Uh, I thought I thought for a second maybe he was injured, so I'm like checking Twitter what what happened to Julio Jones. But no, they just not only do they move him around the formation, but they kept bringing him in and out. Uh, and it looks like it paid off. I, I would I would say with two touchdowns, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the moving around the formation, but even when he's just by himself and they line him up inside we talked about it last week uh those tight splits where you're on or inside the numbers you've got that two-way go and that's where a lot of those big catches came against Maxwell where uh Maxwell has no choice but to let him go inside because there's too much room on the outside for for him to let uh Julio go outside so uh you've got to force him inside that's where your help is with the single high safety and then when you've got Julio Jones getting inside with no uh, disruption early in the route it's more often than not it's going to end bad for the corner and that's not 
any part on Maxwell, that would be the case if it was pretty much anybody. If it was Richard Sherman having to do that, it would be the same Darrell deal. Darrell Reeves, so, whomever, in exactly. That situation. So. Um, you know, there were a couple that, you know, look, the touchdown, I think that, uh, uh, that, uh, Maxwell gave up against Julio. I'm sure that he'd want to have that back. Um, there were a couple other plays as well, but Maxwell played, made some plays on the ball as well. He battled. So there he were battled. times he battled. No yeah. question. So I think that, I think he, there were some good things and some bad things to take away. He clearly didn't have the best game in his Eagles debut, but it, Julio Jones has to be, if not the best receiver in the league, top three. So physically gifted. Uh, that route he ran against Nolan Carroll. That comeback route where he just, I mean, like literally, like he's going full speed and he just stops on a dime and, and cuts back. I mean, I, unbelievable. From what I saw last night, I don't think there's a better receiver in the NFL. Maybe at this point in time, it might not be. I mean, and everybody talks about, oh, he's such a smooth route runner, but he really is. He can, he stops on a dime, he can run every single route. Um, and it's, you know, we all knew that it was going to be a tough test for Maxwell and the Eagles defense coming in. And then he was supposed to get Des Bryant next week, but that's not going to happen. But, uh, I mean, you try to slow down Julio Jones, and obviously two touchdowns is, is a monster game, but he can just do so much. Uh, and like like we said, he battled. So. It's going to be interesting. The other thing with the secondary is that Malcolm Jenkins was utilized as the nickel, and Chris Maragos played more snaps on Monday than he did in all of the 2014 season on defense. And Chip Kelly praised the way that both Malcolm Jenkins played. Obviously, he should have gotten at least – one of those interceptions yeah. you would like uh, really could have changed the course of the game, but he put himself in the position to make those plays. Uh, and then Marigos played well at times when he was in there as well. So I wonder if that's something the Eagles are going to stick with or if they're going to you know, try to keep, uh, you know, try different options, tweak it a little bit, try to improve it. But to me, I guess if it's working, at least it worked for you know, what the Eagles want to accomplish the first game to an extent, you know, maybe we'll see this moving forward. Yeah, no question about it. I think it'll be really interesting to see how it all unfolds because they've talked about it in the past is that there's uh, lots of options there for guys that can play inside. All right, so let's transition. So, you know, the secondary, I think at times didn't get help because of the pass rush. And I think when you saw the second half, Bill Davis looked like he turned up the blitz, turned up the heat on Matt Ryan a little bit more, was going after him, willing to sacrifice uh, the coverage to try to generate that pressure. Fran, I'll let you delve into. You already kind of, you know, gave us a uh, little bit of an appetizer, so to speak, <laughs> with the defensive line play. Yeah. Uh, what were, what did you see on the tape as you uh, reviewed the All Twenty Two this morning? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, getting to getting to Ryan was a little bit tougher than I think people thought, um, especially when you factor in the fact that he was able to to get rid of the ball at the top of his drop, and that's because he he's just got faith in his receiver. So one, two, three balls out. Uh, it's tough to get to the quarterback when he's playing that way. He took some huge he dropbacks, did. though. Yeah. There were some nine-step dropbacks well, in there where I'm sitting there, I'm like... Well, and some, when you have that off a rollout, and then there's sometimes there's the run action off of that, and then you know who's biting on that, and uh, that factors into it. But um, you know the, the thing that I think that stood out to me that was most surprising, I thought, was uh, in the perimeter run game, the Eagles were so good last year at setting edges, uh, forcing runners back inside, and that was across the board, whether it was... Brandon Graham or Connor Barwin, if it was one of the safeties coming down, whether it was the inside linebackers, the defensive ends, you know, Fletcher Cox or Sed Thornton, everyone well, played Trent a part. Yeah, yeah, of course, but everybody, you know, you know, everybody uh, involved in that just does a good job at, at forcing the runner back inside. That showed up a couple times in a negative way this this past week against Atlanta. I thought there were a few times where uh, whoever was the alley player, that forced defender, didn't always sustain the edge, and Atlanta was able to turn the corner. You know, sometimes it was for a seven yard gain or six yard gain, five yard gain, but a lot of those were 
one-yard gains, no yard gains, because you were forcing the running back to cut back. Uh, and so I, I thought that that was one thing that surprised me most because I didn't think that that was an area that Atlanta would have success uh, going into the game. But uh, And then offensively, you look on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they just didn't get a ton of movement up front. And, you know, Chip Kelly mentioned it today in his press conference that uh, – he thought the defensive front for Atlanta won. I mean, just flat out, they couldn't get movement yeah. up front in the run game. Uh, you had to go to the sweep to get those guys out in space, and uh, you saw a lot of those big runs from Darren Sproles and DeMarco Murray where you had Jason Kelsey pulling, you had Lane Johnson pulling. Uh, they're just going to need to be more consistent up front. All right, so you have the offensive line. Now, what do you think of the guard play? Chip Kelly said that uh, Gardner and Barber didn't play bad, but – I think you know, they you watch the tape. Yeah, your... I think they were up and down. You know, there were there were some yeah. good moments, there were some bad moments. Uh, but you know, I think overall, just across the board, I think everybody could just be a little bit more consistent. All right, and then uh, of course, you know, all the debuts for the Eagles last night. We talked about Maxwell. There was Demarco Murray, who had two touchdowns, even though he had a relatively limited role on offense. But the quarterback, Sam Bradford, obviously the one that everyone wanted to see after the brilliant preseason. Alex, your thoughts? On Sam Bradford, um, you, you know, I think he was knocking off some of the rust early, and we've talked about that all preseason long with Bradford. Um, it, it just looked like his timing was a little bit off, and obviously playing in the Georgia Dome, which was incredibly loud, especially on that Eagles' first possession. I mean, uh, they were they were screaming, the the lights were flashing. It was um, you know as tough an environment as as Sam Bradford could have come back into. Um, but you saw in the first half, the timing wasn't quite there. He was fifteen out of twenty seven. Um, 117 yards. He did have that one pick, which uh, he had the pass rush just right in his face, just trying to get rid of it and make something happen before the half came to a close. Um, so it wasn't the best first half, but I thought that Sam Bradford was awesome in the second half. 21 out of 25. Uh, obviously, the Eagles were in a lot of passing situations because they were down uh, and trying to come back, but he was just firing the ball around. Um, I thought they didn't take too many deep chances, but they were able to hit on some things down the seam. Zach Ertz had a couple of nice catches. Jordan Matthews, uh, who, you know, if it wasn't for that drop on, on that last drive, had a really nice game with 10 catches over 100 yards. Um, I liked what I saw from Bradford. I think that he was, you know, getting readjusted to the regular season speed. Um, but overall, I think you come out of that feeling pretty good about what he did. It was interesting how Chip Kelly on Tuesday talked about how you look at Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl and how they attacked the Seahawks' defense. It was just a lot of underneath stuff. It was right. a lot of the same stuff that pretty much the Eagles um, had to utilize on Monday night. Now, Dan Quinn, obviously, the personnel isn't quite the same, but the personnel, I think, is much better than I expected. I'll give him credit. Yeah. Uh, he had those guys flying around, did a great job scheming up that defense. Vic Beasley looked really good last night. Very good, yeah. Um, but I think it was pretty much the main focus was they were taking away the deep shots. They weren't allowing the Eagles to get those huge chunk plays. So you got it, dink and dunk underneath. But I thought it was masterful the way that Bradford was distributing the ball like a point guard on the basketball court. You know, and if he can just continue to do that, you know, this offense, uh, Fran, you like to use the term keeping the offense on schedule. They'll definitely be able to continue doing that move, moving forward. I just think you saw offensively in the second half of what this offense can be can we see this on a consistent basis? I think that's the question moving forward now. And what I liked a lot about Bradford's performance last night, and Fran, you could probably talk a little bit more about this than I could, but just from the naked eye, he wasn't missing wide-open receivers down the field. And, you know, give Nick Foles credit. He won a lot of games here, but one of his 
flaws, I think, as a quarterback was that he would miss a lot of guys downfield. He wouldn't, you know, go from read to read and he would miss wide open players down the field. And from what I saw, Bradford really didn't have that. There weren't a lot of opportunities where guys were wide open and, and he had a chance to deliver the ball. So I think that he made smart decisions and he didn't miss any, uh, you know, obvious plays that, that he could have hit. Yeah, and it's funny because I think uh, a lot of people kind of have this notion about Bradford, and apparently they played some kind of stat on the broadcast last night. I don't know if you saw it, C-Mac. I missed it. Uh, about his average yards per attempt is under it's, not, it's under oh. a certain number, whatever the threshold is, but it just talks about how uh, I think that the notion is, is that he's a dink and duck type of quarterback, yeah. uh, even though he's got such a strong arm. I think that there's, there's a couple different ways you can look at that. Obviously, it's St. Louis – uh, it was a completely different situation with personnel, the offensive line. Just the situation there was a little bit different than what he's got here in terms of the talent. But uh, then you look at, at what this offense is, and you you have the screen element uh, with whether it's the receivers or the backs or the tight ends out, you know, uh, t- catching the screen passes. You've got the shallow crosses. You've got the little hitch routes. You've got all these different little short, quick game pieces, the quick slants that uh, you know. The, He's he's going to excel at you know, and that's that's what's great about this offense. And he's got the the ability to beat you vertical. The thing with Bradford is is that, let's say it's first and ten, and Bradford steps back, and they're running uh, a two man concept to one side. One guy's deep, and one guy's short. Some quarterbacks will wait for that deep concept to open up, and they might see the the guy short and might not and say, oh, I'm going to wait for the deep concept to open up. Uh, and by waiting, if that deep route's not there. Now that's too, it's too late to throw it to the short route. Now you're checking to, to three, mm-hmm. four, five in the progression. Whereas Bradford, if he sees it's if it's first and ten, and he sees there's a receiver open for five yards, he's going to take the five yards. It's second and five, and now we go back to the saying of, of keeping it on schedule. Now you're you're moving the ball, and you're trying to uh, matriculate the ball down the field, uh, and that's the kind of player that, that Bradford is because of his accuracy, because of how decisive he is, and he's got the ability to fit the ball in the tight space. Well, you saw the tempo what it did in the second half, right? When they were able to get some first downs, when they were able to move the ball, the Falcons were getting tired, they were starting to get uneasy, and you saw the Eagles be able to make play after play after play. So that's going to do it for us here on 3 and Out. Now it's time to welcome in Nose Tackle, Benny Logan in for the interview. And now it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the interview. The interview this week on the Eagles Inside Podcast, none other than Nose Tackle, Benny Logan. Benny, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, do you know that we are starting a campaign to get uh, you into the Pro Bowl? Oh, uh, no, I didn't know that. Well, I'm, letting you, I'm letting you know. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, Fran Duffy, our All-22 extraordinaire, uh-huh. co-host of the podcast, is leading the charge <laughs> and is doing everything possible, pretty much any highlight that you produce, and you've been doing it on a weekly basis since the start of the preseason. He is making sure the world knows about Benny Logan. And uh, going to the season opener, it seemed like that the Falcons were trying to focus on you and scheming things to try to slow you down, knowing that you'd be able to get in the backfield, going against a center who was playing his first NFL game. Did you notice that they were paying extra special attention to you? I really didn't, honestly. Uh, it was a lot of different things that they did that uh, wasn't on film. A lot of whams and traps mm-hmm. that specifically was what fran was pointing out the way yeah i didn't uh really see that on film you know the first time i think they ran like the first play maybe and uh the center kind of put his hand out there try to block me and then went on so i thought it was like a play action or something so i went up to the quarterback went up to the quarterback the running back came backside and the other time they did it 
I just stayed on the center, so the tight end was never able to come in and wham it. But it was uh, it was pretty interesting. Was it the first time in a long time that it's happened? Uh, or? I think one team last year kind of did like a wham play. Okay. Or whatnot, but uh, yeah, that was the first time in a long time I seen like a somebody try to wham like a nose or whatever. You're like, it's just me, Benny. Yeah, come on now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really fun, especially when I look tight end try to come. I, mean, I always think that's, <laughs> that's funny because I always like laugh at them. Then all the fullbacks always try to get underneath you, and you could just like knock them by or whatnot. So, well, I guess you gotta give some advice to Malcolm Jenkins. Oh yeah, yeah, we, that was yeah, that was pretty bad. Did you did you guys give him a hard time? <laughs> nah, I didn't get. I didn't even know it was happening until actually we watched a film. That's what I, I figured, actually yeah. saw it this morning. I was like, damn, okay. like. <laughs> His thing, he was he wasn't looking at that fullback. See, technically that fullback was supposed to go out and get counter. Okay. But uh Malcolm showed up first and so the fullback kind of like an arc and then when Malcolm showed up, he just came right back and I was like, damn, like Ooh. Yeah, he got a dirty. Yeah, it was pretty hard. So <laughs> what has been the difference for you going into this season? You know, we've talked about from the coaches have talked about how great you played. You go back to the start of preseason that Indianapolis game you were basically living in the backfield I mean you might as well have been taking the handoffs from Andrew Luck the way that you were able to get penetration in that game and you've been able to consistently do that throughout the course of the preseason what has been the big difference in your game why do you think you've taken this step here in your uh, third year like I said for me it's your third year in this, in, this is my third year in the defense so I mean if we're not looking to elevate your game every year you come you know into the season or whatnot then it's just pretty pointless to have any goals and my third year in this uh, defense, I just feel a lot, like much more confidence and relaxed. Whereas my first two years, I did a lot of thinking because I was trying to be so perfect. And uh, trying to be so perfect, you can make a lot of mistakes. While now I'm just playing, like uh, listen to the call that's being called, just playing football. And if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. But I go to the sideline and I talk amongst the other guys, you know, about the mistakes that I made. And uh, just playing along with Seth and Fletcher is a great thing because uh, a lot of people like praising me. For the uh, you know, the preseason I had, but Fletcher and Fletcher did a good job of covering for me. Like I made mistakes in the preseason game, but you really can't tell because those guys covered for me. Did a good job of covering up for me, and just you know, when I was out of my gap or I got recent things like that, they was there to make the play and things. So I mean, that's the another advantage of not just me developing, but everybody on the D line on defense had developed and just really just matured into this defense and just really you know looking to come out this year and just establish ourselves. What's it like when you watch the tape of Fletcher Cox and you see him lining up from the end spot and he's able to get after the quarterback the way he did uh, on Monday night? It, man, it's amazing watching Fletcher on film. Uh, <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, man, Fletcher can go no matter what. And one thing I really like about uh, watching Fletcher on film is when he clubbed those little tight ends, he'd be knocking the hell out. <laughs> he'd be knocking the hell out. When tight ends try to cut him off, man, he he slapped him so hard. Like It's, it's so funny watching <laughs> When he when he do that, <laughs> how about said? Said is he's like the underrated guy. Oh yeah, man, yeah, of the definitely, bunch. definitely. Said is definitely underrated. Uh, said don't get a lot of praise that uh, I feel like he should get or uh, not. Just the things that he's done in this defense. Uh, when the first years coming into the league, he was a four three DN or whatnot. Now he's a three four DN or whatnot. How he just dominated, make his presence known uh, in the running game. He's definitely a force uh, in the passing game. And also, uh, that's why I always stay on set so much because, you know, he's really a great player, really an anchor for our defensive line and our defense. So, 
if he mess up whatnot, I'm always on him. Uh, in practice, I always just you know pick his brain or just make him mad in practice or whatnot. So if I make him mad in practice, then when he get in the game, it'll be a lot easier to know how to you know function. Not that he don't know how to function, but I'm always on him because I want his best because he really is a great player. You know, he told me one time. He told me that from an eating standpoint, that he would on purpose not have as much to eat before practice so he'd be tired and not be at his optimum when he's out there on the practice field so that on game day you know obviously you'll be your best going into that situation but when you get tired and you get weak and you might want to break he'll be like I can just recall the moments there during a week of practice where I wasn't at full strength do you uh, do anything no nah, that's great because I'll make sure I'm full I'm not going on the field uh, I'm sure <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I can't be out there hungry or anything like <laughs> that because um, I mean I'm tough and all I'm mentally tough physically tough and all but it's a thing when I'm out there on the field and I'm hungry like I'm hungry <laughs> like my stomach gonna be talking to me and I'm gonna let myself know I'm hungry even during game time like during the preseason one time I was so hungry <laughs> And I was like, man, like when we went in halftime, I look for like a snack or something. Like I, I have to eat when I'm out there on the field. I can't be out there like <laughs> I'm sorry. What difference was it for you this preseason compared to last preseason? Last preseason you had the injury, the hamstring yeah. injury, and you weren't able to play. How much of a difference did that make for uh, you? Oh, that was a, a definitely a big difference. Uh, last year, you know, the, the injury was my own mistake. Uh, we were doing conditioning tests, so I was in good condition and everything. I was making all the times, but on the last – the last sprint and whatnot, me just being young, immature, I want to just go full out, just speed up for no reason at all. I wasn't racing anybody. And by the time I got to, like, the five-yard line, I just felt my hamstring kind of pull and get real tight on me. And so I was like, dang. And so when I went in and got it checked out, you know, they said I had screened or well, pulled my hamstring. Then I sat out the whole – just about the whole preseason and uh, just watching those other guys get better and things like that frustrated me when I want to be out there. Because I'm a competitor. Like, I don't like to be in the training room. I don't like to be hurt. I don't like to miss practice or anything like that. So, that bothered me a lot. Then when I was able to, you know, play in the preseason games, I was limiting limit my reps because my coach wanted to take care of me. So, that was frustrating me even more. So, uh, this year, I just really just, you know, when we did conditioning tests, I just kept my pace, you know, made the times and everything like that. You know, I was in shape or whatnot. I don't know why I just want to try to just You want to show it. off? Yeah. You want to say, I'm, exactly. I'm a big guy, but I'm going to Yeah, I'm gonna and, run and here. you know, that cost me in the preseason or whatnot. The one that I wish I could have had last year. But uh, this year, I made sure, you know, I didn't make that same mistake. And uh, once we got into training camp, I really just was just focusing on my technique, just focusing on just the defense, the things that have been called. You know, how can I better myself every day? How can I... Uh, make this help make this front you know better than what the year before, and so I just continue just in my film, uh, taking notes, studying my notes, and just going out there each and every day to find a way to get better or something. So, did you change your approach coming into the season now that it's your third year and you know the rigors of the off season and what you have to do to get ready for training camp in the regular season? Did you make any drastic changes? Uh, drastic change? I, no, I, I actually went back home and just spent a lot of time with my family. I worked out at LSU, uh, worked out with their D-line and things like that, and, and just focus on the things that are my weakness, uh, just fex, focus on the balance, uh, shoulder work, and just screening all things and just core work and everything like that. That was my main focus. I didn't do anything drastic or nothing spectacular. I just went down, you know, home, spent time with family, you know, had fun with, like, friends and family and just would work on that. was time for me to work. So, Dallas week. Yeah. And as a veteran of the locker room, you've been through some of these Eagles-Cowboys battles. 
what does it mean to you to open up the home slate in the regular season against Dallas? I mean, it's going to be fantastic. Home opening against Dallas, how much we hate Dallas. Uh, the fans would definitely be excited. What better way to open up the home game against, you know, a divisional rivalry game, one we definitely need to win. I mean, it's going to be spectacular that day with all, all the things that happened, you know, in the offseason. I know the fans will definitely be talking about the little banner thing that flew over, you know, all the talk, trash talk that goes on or whatnot. But, uh, you know, the fans going to be looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it, uh, just getting back on the winning side of the ball. Do you love hearing how uh, how hyped the Cowboys' offensive line gets and how much love they receive? I really don't even pay that no attention because I always tell people at the end of the day, they got to play us. So, I mean, a lot of people always talk about, you know, how spectacular they are and all that. There really is a good offensive line or not, but same time, like, we feel like we're a real good defensive line. So, when two great teams or two great positions meet up, you know, it's going to be the best or the best. So, I mean, the best position win. And so we just going out there really to establish ourselves and just show, you know, you're giving all these guys hype. But, you know, look at us, too. We play ball, too. And they, they got to line up with, and block us. Do you look at this as the ultimate litmus test almost, mm-hmm. knowing that the Cowboys offensive line is held in this high regard, that if you guys show up and can dominate and help lead the Eagles to a win on Sunday, that? I, I really don't because I feel like, I mean, we're going to come out on Sunday and play regardless, but. Yeah. With all this hype going into the game last year and whatnot, we pretty much came out there and just showed what we could do. The first two, well, the second time we played them too, you know, they won and whatnot, but we still came out there and showed, like, we still could play. Like, we, if they're the best offensive line in the league or whatnot, then what they say about us or whatnot. We didn't really go out there and talk about, you know, uh, we the best D-line, this and that. I mean, just being honest, like, I'm a realist. And we let realize in our room, if this is the best offensive line that you labor in the league, then if we shut them down, what do they say about us? Why do you think – what is it about their offensive line or was it the attention that they were getting that had you guys speak out against I, them last it, year? Really, the thing that really frustrated us the most, I mean, we played against a lot of – like we felt like San Francisco O-line was way physical and better or whatnot and – when we played those guys, like, nobody was talking, you know, about San Francisco line. And come Dallas, we just got the Marco Murray was having a real good year or whatnot. And like, everybody's like, Dallas O-line is the best. Like, that's all you heard. That's all you heard. Like, and we sitting there like, they act like we don't play ball. Like, line up and play ball. So, we're like, okay, you labeling them, like, all this credit and all this stuff, like, hype and stuff. But then they got to live up to all that hype. And we just were really just focusing, not just that week, but, just the whole season, just focus on our technique, just going out there and just dominating every time. DeMarco, obviously, is now an eagle. Mm-hmm. How different is that rushing attack without one feature guy and, you know, Joseph Randall, young back leading the way? Uh, when DeMarco Murray was there, he, DeMarco Murray has great vision. Uh, and when he hit the hole, he hit the hole, like, full speed and powerful. Uh, now with Randall there, I think Randall's more of a patient runner. But the thing is, like, Dallas not going to – you know, abandon the running game just because Murray's not there. I mean, that's the reason why they built up their old line uh, with all those guys up front to, you know, establish the ground and pound game. But I feel like Ron is a more patient back, and when he do hit the hole, it's not as powerful, well, it's not as powerful and uh, physical as when DeMarco Murray hit the hole. Two more questions for you. One, Tony Romo, how frustrating, how difficult is he as a quarterback uh, to play against? Difficult? He's pretty difficult if you let him get us out the pocket and uh and 
if his snap counts and things like that, if he gets you to jump outside, you might well get ready for the whole night. He's going to definitely hard count through the rest of the night. But when you play a guy like that that we know could extend players by getting outside the pocket, your main focus when you rest in the pass is keep him contained. Uh, if you get pressure on in the middle, do not let him outside the pocket because if you can look over his career, I mean, that's <laughs> where he hurt most a lot of teams at when you let him outside the pocket. That's so a spin move. Yeah, let him outside the pocket and – you know, his main thing is going deep. Once he get outside the pocket, he tell the receiver, like, go deep. So when we get rushing him, we got to make sure we contain them because we have a real good secondary. We can't let those guys, you know, cover that long or extend the plays. Or same thing with jumping outside. We got to be disciplined in that. But playing Romo, we definitely got to be disciplined now, uh, rushing and make sure we keep him contained the whole night. Last question is, what's been the, the one thing that you guys as a defense are focusing on going into Sunday after the game on Monday? Uh, just limit the mistakes, the mistakes. Uh, we lost that game because of like simple mistakes or whatnot, uh, as a unit. Uh, we just do the things that we've been working on all training camp and OTAs, just focus on the detail, focus on the play that's being called. Don't try to make any spectacular plays, which no matter what, everybody was, was doing good, but it was just like small mistakes that we made, just little things we didn't see that other team presented to us. For example, like the, the big draw play, if we were just keyed in, you know, on the running back, the depth of the running back and how he was lined up and things like that, we could, you know, saw that it was going to be a draw or saw it was going to be a running play. But, like, small things like that. Uh, but I'm glad it's a long season, you know, that that loss hurts so we're not the bad taste out of your mouth. So we just got to go out here and Sunday, uh, correct our mistake. Well, this week, correct our mistakes and just go out there Sunday with, you know, total focus and just go out there and dominate. Benny Logan, the interview on the Eagles Insider podcast. We'll keep the uh, train moving for the Pro Bowl for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, and now we will transition to enemy intel where Fran and Alex will take a deep dive look at the Eagles-Cowboys matchups. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for enemy intel. All right, well, we move right along into the enemy intel portion of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Obviously a huge matchup, a divisional game for the Eagles this weekend. Fran, that Cowboys secondary, they did some interesting things in their first game out against the New York Giants. How do they match up with a guy like Jordan Matthews, who had a big first game against Atlanta, 10 catches in the first game? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see because this is a defense that lost Orlando Skandrick this offseason to an injury during the preseason. So now when you look at the the secondary, you've got Brandon Carr, who they brought in in free agency, their left corner. Then you got former first-round pick Mo Claiborne as the right corner, who's been up and down down so far throughout his career. They lose Skandrick, who was there. He played outside in base and then slid inside in nickel. People like Greg Cosell thought that he was the best corner on the roster. So they're down a man. So who's going to play in the slot now? Right now you see Tyler Patman. That was who we saw last week as the nickel corner. Patman, I think, is a decent player, but I think that uh, he's a little limited. So I would imagine that that's an area where you could see a Jordan Matthews, you could see Nelson Aguilar, Joshoff, whoever is lined up in the slot. That would be a matchup that would be interesting to exploit. But then when you look at how else they deploy those players, they played a lot more dime this past week than what we saw from them last year. Mm-hmm. I think in the games I charted last year, they played only 3% uh, of their snaps in dime, and they played 12 of their... 19, oh, there we go, 19% of their snaps. So they went go, go from 3% to 19% in this past game. So Byron Jones came in as the dime linebacker, played over the tight end. They didn't always play in man, but 
they uh, they did always play him over the tight end. So that'll be an interesting theme to watch this week is if the Eagles go four wide, obviously they'll come out and dime. But will there be scenarios where if they come out with 12 personnel and Zach Ertz, are they going to defend that a certain way? That'll be interesting to watch. Can Byron Jones actually defend Zach Ertz, though? I know the Eagles obviously looked at Byron Jones as a potential guy in the first round this year. I think a lot of the fans thought that that might be the pick when the Eagles were on the clock. But size-wise, that's obviously a huge advantage for the Eagles in this case. Last year, we had Nolan Carroll, who played in that similar role, showed the ability to defend against tight ends. The big thing is, obviously, you're going to try and take advantage of that height. I remember we had uh, Zach Ertz on this podcast last year, right around this time. It was towards the end of training camp, actually, before the season started. And I asked him, I said, you know, who would you rather go up against? Would you rather go up against a linebacker who can get physical with you and, and has the size to handle you? Or would you rather go up against a defensive back who you probably have the size advantage on, but athletically they're used to you in coverage? And he said he would much rather go up against a linebacker in coverage because, uh, yeah, he might have the size advantage over a corner, but those guys are used to playing in coverage. They're used to dealing with guys that are bigger than them. So that'll be an interesting matchup. If Jones uh, does come in and, and dime uh, and is matched up against Ertz, I'll be interested to see if they decide to go that way. Three catches and 46 yards for Zach Ertz in that opener against Atlanta in a game where we weren't sure if he was going to play. So good to see him get in there, knock some of that rust off, and we'll see if he can have a big game against the Cowboys this weekend. Moving along, the Eagles stretch run play, Fran, it didn't work out so well against Atlanta. A couple of times when they did get out on the edge, we had some holding penalties, brought it back. So how can the Eagles fix that that issue and run the stretch play against the Cowboys D-line? Yeah, I think it just it comes down to making sure that the guys up front execute what they're supposed to do. So we talked about it earlier, the, the guard play wasn't consistent throughout the game against Atlanta on Monday night. You want to see that take the next step. But then also on the flip side, and you look at the, the Eagles defense against the stretch run play on Monday night against Atlanta, that was what they tried to establish a tone and run stretch play numerous times in the first two or three series. And while they didn't have any huge gainers, there were a lot of plays where you saw the Eagles give up the edge. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's an area where uh, they were really, really strong last year. Yeah, and Connor Barwin was really good off that edge last year. Exactly. And so you had Barwin and and Look, all the, all those guys that when they were asked to do it, you know Malcolm Jenkins and Brandon Graham, all those guys last year when they did it, they were great. It just Monday night, it just wasn't their night. A number of those guys gave up the edge and they were able to turn the corner and pick up positive yardage. So that'll be an interesting thing because the Cowboys, even though Demarco's gone, they still run that stretch run play uh, and they tried to establish a tone last week against New York. I would imagine, especially without Dez this week, that they'll try and do the same. It also looked like in the Atlanta game where there were a couple of plays where the interior D linemen, like the Fletcher Coxes and Ben. Logan's they got good penetration on those stretch plays but they were just a little bit behind it were they being too aggressive in those cases what you see from the Eagles interior linemen on, on those stretch plays well it depends on the play because there were some actually where and I covered this actually in the Eagle line the sky piece is that Benny Logan at times they let him come free and they had what's called a, a wham element so what they'll do is they let they let Benny go free for the first couple steps, but then you have a tight end coming from from his blind spot and coming to block him, and you're trying to use that aggressiveness against him. So it was interesting that they, they did that to try and game plan against Benny Logan to try and take him out of the game that way. So that may have been some of the plays you saw. Other times, if guys are playing from the backside, they're going to penetrate and then try and see if they can chase it from behind. Our guys are athletic enough to make those kind of plays. So, yeah, it just depends on the play you're looking at. And then finally, a huge loss for the Cowboys. Des Bryant breaks a bone in his foot. It looks like he's going to be out four to six weeks. How do they change their offense without him in there? Are we going to see more Cole Beasley? Does he move outside? Do they? Is it going to be more Terrence Williams? How do they kind of shift things around without him? 
I would think that Beasley would maintain his role in the slot. I think that Terrence Williams would be the go-to guy out wide. Devin Street out of Pittsburgh a couple years ago. I really like Devin Street. Somewhat local guys from the Allentown area. And he got drafted last year. I believe he was the sixth or seventh round pick by the Cowboys. And uh, he stuck on. He was their fourth receiver. And I think he's going to see a a significant bump in terms of his role. So you have those guys on the outside. I would imagine Witt will step up and be a much more featured target in the pass game. And the other guy you have to look at, and he was used in a variety of ways this past week, is Lance Dunbar. Right. Dunbar led the team with catches, but not just out of the backfield. They put him into the slot. They put him out wide. He ran hitch routes. He ran corner routes. He ran screens. So all these different things that they asked Dunbar to do, I would imagine that that would keep going. And they're going to try and establish the run. They're going to try, they tried to do it last week, and I think that they'll try and do it again. Cole Beasley is just like that typical slot receiver. He's always... I don't want to say he's annoying, but it's just like, oh, Cole Beasley, you know, getting in space, making plays. He, he's, you know, he's like a gnat that you're just trying to swat away, but he's always there. Do you expect to see Malcolm Jenkins on him again if, if they're in that nickel situation? Yeah, and, and Malcolm was the nickel corner uh, on Monday night, so I would imagine that that would carry over to this week. Now, we'll see if the Eagles decide to, to play that a little bit differently. That'll be interesting to see, but my guess would be that it would be Malcolm. Fran Duffy breaks down all the X's and O's here on Enemy Intel, but now... Let's have some fun with game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Game Time here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Before we get into this week's game, let's take a look back at everyone's favorite game. That was Peachy or Ricci from last week. Uh, Just a couple (laughs) of notes. I am not peachy today, so I don't think no. anyone is peachy today. Uh, I remember one of the questions last week was Sam Bradford, three hundred fifty yards. Both of you guys said Ricci. He finished with three thirty six, so he was close. But I, I recall we, saying that if it was at three twenty five range, okay, I would have been I would have been out for three fifty was pushing it. A but bit, I, so. I think we we all would have felt better if uh, it would have been Ricci and they would have won the game. Um, another one was that Kiko Alonso would lead the team in tackles. Uh, that was actually a tie between Malcolm or. Uh, Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell and Michael Kendricks. Um, so overall on Peach and Ricci, not too good. Let's see if we can change that this week. So since we are playing the Dallas Cowboys, and some would say that <laughs> Cowboys fans are bandwagon fans. <laughs> some would say. Some would say. I'm not saying I sources say. Sources say. Uh, according to sources, multiple reports say that that could be the case. So today we will play <laughs> on the bandwagon. Okay. I will read you a statement. Uh, I have a couple about the Eagles, and then we'll go uh, a little broader scope about the NFL, uh, about Week One of the NFL as a whole. Um, you tell me if you're on the ban- on the bandwagon or if you're off. Fair so, enough. I like first, this. Okay. First things first. I'm the realist. Eagles were three for three in goal to go situations last night. Are you on the Eagles' red zone offense bandwagon? Have you seen enough? I've seen enough. Yeah. And I would have told you coming into the season when you get to Marker Murray and Ryan Matthews in that running style, those downhill. You know, quick to the hole, uh, running backs. That's exactly why I think they were brought in here to improve that short yardage running situation. Obviously, it didn't work on that third and one late in the game with Ryan Matthews. But I think in these goal to go situations, the Eagles will be much improved. Not to mention, you have a guy like Sam Bradford, his accuracy, his decisiveness. I, I go, I'm on the bandwagon. All right, moving right along. Darren Sproles, who is Mr. Monday Night Football. Uh, he has the sixth most receiving yards all time by running back on Monday Night Football. Seven grabs, 76 yards last night. Are you on the bandwagon for him throughout the season being a top four receiver for the Eagles in terms of yardage? In each game? No, at, overall. At the, overall, at the end of the season, will he be in the top four in receiving yards for the Eagles? Ooh. 
I'm on the bandwagon. I've been saying uh, since week one of the preseason that I think he's going to have a really big role in this offense from a pass game perspective. Uh, just seeing how they can move him around and play him in the slot, uh, the different wheel routes and vertical routes you see him run out of the backfield. It would not surprise me to see him in the top four. Top four. So you, Matthews is a lock for one. Sure. You know, Ertz, Zach Ertz, the fact that he had the role that he had last night mm-hmm. was very surprising. Was very surprising, but very encouraging at the same time. And mm-hmm. that was a phenomenal grab that he made. Uh, Stretching out the body. After that, though, I think there's some questions. I mean, was it Riley Cooper who who had a number? Or I think had the most targets after. Uh, you have the game book right there. I do, I uh, do Riley, the Coop, game book. Riley Cooper was was pretty much involved. I think after that, there's going to be uncertainty from a week to week basis. It's going to be more spread around. So Darren Sproles might be the guy who you can count on from a week to week basis. So I, I will say I'm on the bandwagon. Just looking at the numbers from uh, Monday night, 13 targets for Jordan Matthews. Yep. Then you had the drop off to nine for Sproles, mm-hmm. eight for Zach Ertz, and after that it's all it's all kind of the same. Was Marco Cooper? Murray was actually the next one up with five. Okay, Cooper, Cooper and Ryan Matthews both had four targets. Yeah. So now uh, I think still I'm high on Josh Huff. I think Nelson Aguilar. I think you know people were down because they had the penalty and only the one catch last night. They're gonna have their games. They're gonna be impact players in this offense, but. You know, when you're looking on a guy you can count on a week-to-week basis, maybe Sproles is, you know, maybe that third or fourth option. Last one specifically about the Eagles. Today's guest, Benny Logan. Looked like he had a nice game in the uh, in the season opener. Are you on the Benny Logan Pro Bowl bandwagon? I am getting him into the Pro Bowl through this podcast. We talked about him last week. Are you on the Benny Logan Pro Bowl bandwagon? He's got to – you have to put up monster numbers. you got to put up sacks. You know, there's got to be a reputation – I don't think it's going to be there just yet. I mean, it's amazing to see that teams are scheming against them, but at this point I'm going to say I am not on the bandwagon for that. I am driving the bus, <laughs> driving the bandwagon for Benny Logan to the Pro Bowl. That's Sounds all good. I got. I'm in. Uh, so now let's take a, a broader view here around the league. Our good friend Nick Foles led the Rams to an overtime win over, Se- over the Seattle Seahawks. Are you on the Rams bandwagon? I thought that there was a chance the Rams could win that game. You know, Seattle's going through kind of the Super Bowl hangover. Cam Chancellor with the holdout situation. You know, the Rams, you know, the defense is in place. The pieces are there to be successful, especially that defensive line. Yeah. Aaron Donald looked like, looks like he's, he's a really, amazing. really he's good amazing. player. Uh, they just need stability at the quarterback position. And Nick Foles, 14-4 and four as a starter in Philadelphia, you know, doesn't have the weapons that he had in Philly, but, you know, seemed to get do just enough to uh, get the job done. So, and you figure Todd Gurley, you know, he'll make an impact when he, you know, is healthy and ready to go coming off the knee injury. So, uh, I, I like what he's doing for them. So, the uh, I think they've got the schedule going for them for sure. They're not playing a first-place schedule. And, you know, you look at Seattle. I just think – here's the thing with Seattle is that you've got all that talent coming in. They're going to get a good impact from that. Uh, rookie class with Frank Clark, with Tyler Lockett, some of the other guys they brought in. You you see the uh, the impact Jimmy Graham can have on that offense. Um, I think it'll take some time to get that offensive line straightened out, and that was the big issue for them. I still think Seattle's going to win the division. So I think that St. Louis will be in play for a wild card. So it just depends on what your definition of on the bandwagon is. But I, I like the, Ram, the that Rams defense flies to the ball. They're well coached, uh, really, really talented, obviously up front. Um, but I don't know if I'm ready to call them division winners yet. No, I mean we just had our season preview right. edition. Now we both felt that 
Seattle should still come out on top yeah. of the division, but the Rams will be in the mix. So. Sure. Well, the, the next one up is kind of a team that's in the same situation, but over in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills. They took care of Andrew Luck and the Colts. Uh, a great defense. You don't know what they're going to get out of Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. They haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. Are you guys on the Bills playoff bandwagon? Ooh, I'm going to say, I, w- I want to say yes. I want to say yes. But? Tyrod Taylor had a very good debut. The defense, no question the real deal. Already a lot of talent. You're getting the Rex Ryan coaching effect to make it that much better. I think, to me, I still think the question is going to be, is this an offense that's going to be able to sustain drives and win games in December and January? So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. It's, you know, we've seen this from Buffalo in the past where Buffalo gets out of the shoot very hot, and then as the weather turns into what you would think would be Buffalo's favor, yeah. you know, the deep freeze sets in. Yeah, I think that right now they're going to have – Stiff competition in that division with uh, obviously New England, but then also Miami. Um, you know, I know that Tannehill and that offense didn't look uh, 100% uh, in terms of where they want to be uh, in week one, but I think Miami's going to be a stiff test for them. You look at, our, at the other teams in that conference, I think I still need to see a little bit more from Buffalo and Tyrod Taylor, especially. Fair enough. Let's move to an interesting trend that we saw in week one. There were four missed extra points in week one. Now, if that pace holds true, and I know it's it's only one game, it's only one week, there would be 70 missed PATs this season. There were eight missed extra points all of last year. Will we see more teams going for two? Are you on the two-point conversion bandwagon? No, because as Chip Kelly said, what's the percentage going down from 90, well, 99 in the past to... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be down to 95 for what you take into account with field goals. You're going to, I think, see more of these two-point conversions when the weather turns in cities like in the Northeast, maybe Philly, Chicago, Green Bay, those types of places. I think across the board, though, no. I mean, Chip Kelly said that if you want us to go for two points more, put the ball to one-yard line. Move that spot up instead of moving the extra point back to where it's still – not an automatic field goal, but a one that should be regularly made with ease. I think that uh, Chip Kelly's made his opinion known uh, for what you can expect here from a two-point conversion standpoint. But um, overall, I think I'm going to be on the bandwagon there. I would expect that there'll be more two-point conversions. Okay. Last but certainly not least, Alex Smith, not me. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback threw for 243 yards and three touchdowns. Are you on the None Alex to Smith? a wide receiver, though. It, it None to three, a wide it's, receiver. It's like Chip Kelly said today. It doesn't matter how you move the ball. <laughs> it just depends that you're moving it down the field. Are you on the Alex Smith bandwagon? Not me. The quarterback, Alex Smith. The imposter, and the Chiefs, Alex Smith. The Chiefs as a whole, I guess you could say, but uh, more so Alex Smith. I think the division's wide open. It's there for them to take. You know, um... I like them as a wild card. Yeah, in the beginning of the season, uh, nothing they've done nothing to uh, love Eric Berry from it. Eric Berry coming back position, uh, adding a top flight receiver in Jerry Macklin. They've got Jamal Charles. He's not quite the LeBron James of football, but uh, steady Eddie out of that backfield. 
you know, you have Justin Houston locked up. You know, that situation was taken care of. So, uh, like Fran said, I mean, doesn't look like is Denver going to be the world beater? Are they going to run away with the division? San Diego had to rally to beat Detroit. You know, Oakland, you know, you thought better things for them, and they get thumped by Cincinnati. So by, the, by the Bengals, yep. too. Uh, uh, you know, that's that – they're, they're in the mix. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously I like Alex Smith, but I, I like the Chiefs' chances. I think that, um, like you guys said, the division is up in the air. The Chargers, um, they were pretty impressive in their comeback win. Um, Here's something that's funny. When all the season predictions were coming out, there were some who had Kansas City and Andy Reid beating Chip Kelly and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Oh, like, God. what kind of nightmare Could you imagine? would that be? We'd be in a worse mood than we are today. <laughs> that's, saying, that's, once that's saying something. I would just stay in Santa Clara <laughs> at that Oh, point. my gosh. I wouldn't even come back. Could oh, that's, my gosh. Could you imagine that podcast? I'd have, to pull a, I'd have to pull Dave and jump out of the press box. <laughs> What do you think Dave would do? Oh my lord! Oh, if he was man. willing to jump out of the press box for a Matt Bryant field or for a, a Tampa Bay a Tampa Bay Bucks touchdown, yeah, or for an Eagles not uh, scoring against that's the what I mean. Oh. It was the end of the first half right. of a <laughs> late season game, but <sighs> well, that's something that, that I, I'm sorry, I really killed the mood on that one. You really? Well, I don't I'm even really know sorry. how we're gonna get to move uh, to mailing it in right now. <laughs> we're just have to mail it in. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's save this segment and. Uh, if if that does happen, if it's a Chiefs Eagles no, Super Bowl, just, uh, just, let's just just no. bury the tape on that one. Yeah. All right. Let's mail it in. Captain. Incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, mailing it in. Our our final segment, mailing it in here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, or I guess the. Uh, Alex Smith, Eagles Insider Podcast, since your name just dominates every part of the show. I, I don't think I've said Alex Smith, Eagles Insider Podcast I, yet. I have yet to hear that, too. You're the so only I person think, that says it. I think it. you brought it up. So <laughs> I, Today I brought it up, yes. If, that's on me today. If that's the that case, <laughs> I mean, we can look into renaming it. Uh, for mailing it in, let's see. So we actually, we're going to troll Dave Spadaro's timeline since he gets peppered with questions by fans all the time and some very good ones so uh we're just gonna pick from there uh i'm gonna start with this one from merc hashtag flaggles fly wants to know what do you think the eagles need to do more of next week dave's response was you know play better in every phase minimize penalties and i thought it was actually quite interesting that chip kelly when he was asked what's the one thing that the team must prove upon he singled out the penalties. The penalties were atrocious last night. I mean, there were flags coming. It felt like it was almost every single play. Um, and obviously, since it's week one, you know, there's there's going to be uh, it's it's a different speed than the than the preseason, so there are going to be flags. But those penalties, especially the ones on the Eagles, were really tough. Um, the the couple of Jason Kelsey holds. Uh, the one was on a Ryan Matthews play when the Eagles. Uh, when they ultimately missed that field goal attempt late in the game, Ryan Matthews brought them down. I think yeah. it was inside the 10 or inside the 5-yard line. It was I thought. Um, it was on the catch and run. Okay. Uh, whoever. It, it, yeah. It's just um, – it was it's stuff like that. You where got the game book there. You could <laughs> it was, look it up. It was uh, those those big plays the Eagles had, and Chip Kelly talked about it, that all these big plays that got called back um, was really killer. And then on the other side, it looked like maybe the Falcons were getting away with a lot of – 
uh, offensive pass interference, setting up those little screen passes to to Julio Jones and get, getting uh, guys like Leonard Hankerson out in front and, and blocking Hankerson. a little bit early. Leonard Hank- Hankerson was out in front blocking on all those screen passes, and you know people on Twitter were, were calling him out. And Leonard Hankerson's another guy that just always comes and hurts the Eagles somehow. It's what's interesting about that is that's something that's it's called so inconsistently that yeah. you know most teams get away with it, but. On the broadcast, I think Gruden pointed out that Chip must have made the referees aware that, hey, the Falcons are going to do this. Keep an eye out for it. And the Eagles got caught one time, but it's when Nelson Aguilar just yeah steamrolled. Right. That the was defender. there was no question about that one. <laughs> there was no debate there. No. All right. Let's see. Uh, this question comes from uh, Ryan Hulke at, on Twitter. Wants to know how would you rate Kiko Alonso's performance? So obviously. Everyone's going to talk about the Odell Beckham style one-handed interception in the red zone, which was, which I think is going to be something you're going to see a lot of from this defense this year. It's going to be a defense. Maybe they're going to give up yards, but can they tighten up in the red zone to limit teams to three or force a turnover here and there? Um, but, Fran, you looked at the tape. What did you think of him outside of the interception? I would say it's probably in the B, B-plus range. And not that he was bad at all, but really that I just think that he can be a lot better. Uh, I think that Chip Kelly said it best today at the press conference where he said, um, you know, they're still bringing him along and there's still room to grow there. And I think that Kiko, uh, yeah, he made a great play on the interception, um, made some other good plays uh, instinctively against the run. Uh, But I think that he can be a little bit better. uh, And I'm excited to see him uh, continue to improve here. Yeah, I I think Kiko is playing a lot based off of his instincts right now. He's still getting adjusted to to the defense. um, And he said, during the preseason, during training camp, that it's not that big of an adjustment for him. But um, I think Chip Kelly said about it years, I think it was a couple of years ago when he was asked about Kiko Alonso uh, in his rookie season, that with Kiko, it's Kiko see ball, Kiko mm-hmm. get the ball. And that's what he did on the interception, which was an unbelievable play. Um, uh, you know, it could have turned the momentum back into the Eagles' favor. Um, but I think that Kiko's still getting adjusted. Uh, to this Eagles defense and getting adjusted to playing again in regular season games, but um, just playing off his instincts, I think I think he's a a very good player in this Eagles defense. Uh, I'm just going through the timeline here as I sit here. Uh, another question here, I don't quite have who it's from. Who played well? Who are your stars of the game? Now, I know you mentioned Benny Logan already. Fletcher Cox, I thought played very well. Um, I would say Jordan Matthews, Darren Sproles. I think Bradford for the most part played pretty well. Uh, defensively, you know, I thought Jenkins and everyone, you know, obviously you want to see him uh, finish on a couple of those balls there. But, uh, you know, overall, I think Malcolm Jenkins played pretty well. Um, I don't think Maragos hurt them at all at safety. I think that was a concern when people thought that he was coming in or saw that he was coming into the game and on defense. Uh, I didn't think Maragos played poorly at all. I thought Kendricks had a good game, played sideline to sideline. So, you know, overall, you just want to capitalize on some of Atlanta's mistakes. You just want to be more consistent in certain areas, especially along the line of scrimmage, and uh, you know, try and build off that. That rotation at inside linebacker is going to be interesting because I say Kendricks played every snap, Kiko played fifty some odd snaps. You know, I think D'Amico was like twenty six or so. I wonder, you know, can't have Michael Kendricks playing every snap now. Mm-hmm. So you wonder, you know, are they going to increase D'Amico's role some weeks? Could we see Jordan Hicks get into mix on Why defense? Not? Could. 
possibly. I wasn't surprised to see him active after seeing him play in every special team. Well, you said special teams, team. yeah. yeah. And all the coaches raved about the fact that he's a four-core special right. teams guy, yeah, so he'll be out there. Me at all. Here's, here's actually an interesting question looking at the Dallas. Is there a little concern about special teams? I'm not just talking about Cody Parkey uh, you know, missing the field goal, but Shea Jarratutu's got to go through the concussion protocol. Uh, Chris Maragos, who's one of your core special teams guys, now heavily involved in the defense. It seems like that that was already a unit coming into the season where you had to replace some key guys, your James Casey's, your Jeff Males, you know, Brandon Boykin. Now it seems like they're having to pull even more guys into the mix there. You know, that's where it comes into we'll see if Azir Tutu can go or if he can't. Uh, if he can't, will we see an increased role from uh, a Jerome Couplin, from a Denzel Rice who was inactive? Uh, you know, Marcus Smith was inactive, you know, so we can see him come in and get some of those special teams reps because uh, against Indianapolis, he was a four-core uh, four special teams guy. He, played, he started on all four units. So um, we'll see how that how that all shakes out as the injury report starts to come out later in the week. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about the Eagles special teams at all because I think they have a lot of guys that are big-time contributors uh, to all four of those units from guys like Brian Brayman, who's just a maniac out there on special teams and, and uh, is always around the ball. Um, but even without a year or two, two, you mentioned Denzel Rice. We saw some nice things uh, from him on special teams in the preseason. That's a big reason why he ended up making this team. Um, but then Chris Maragos, even if he is, even if he does have a larger role on defense, um, I still think he's outstanding on special teams. Trey Burton, same goes for him. Even if he has a larger role on offense, he's still a really nice special teams player. Uh, and then the returners, I think, are top-notch in, in Sproles and Huff. Uh, obviously, Kenyon Barner wasn't active for the Falcons game, but uh, he's still on the active roster. So I, I don't I don't have any concerns about the Eagles special teams. All right, lastly, let's just look ahead to Dallas. Dallas is not going to have Des Bryant. They're not going to have Greg Hardy, Randy Gregory, Rolando McClain, Orlando Skandrick's out for the season. To me, you know, Dallas obviously still tough enough to uh, get out the win over the Giants, even though part of that might have just been uh, some giant miscues and you know, some poor clock management at the end of the game on whether it was Eli or Tom Coughlin, whomever. seemed like it was on the quarterback in that situation. But it seems like this is a, a, a very good situation. You're going to have the home crowd, the home opener. Everyone's going to be fired up. Eagles need to bounce back with a win. seems like the perfect setting for them to get things on the right track. And, yeah, you lost your first game in the conference, but at least you can get to 1-0 in the division. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Um Whenever guy, whenever teams are without their their key players, people start you know thinking ahead. Oh, they don't have Dez, they don't have Gregory, they don't have whoever. It's a lot it, of guys. Though. It it it, it is. It, it kind of reminds me. I think it was in 2013 when the Cowboys came here, and I don't think they had Demarco Murray for that game. I don't think they had. Um, was it Demarcus Ware? Uh, somebody else. They didn't. Have. There was there was a couple guys that were out, and you know people are saying, oh, you know the Eagles have this now, and that was that was one of the games where. Uh, Nick Foles got hurt and, and Matt Barkley had to come in and the the, uh, the Cowboys ended up winning that game. So you can't look too far ahead. Um, but Des Bryant is such a huge loss. No, no matter how long he's out, you know there are some people saying four to six. I saw eight to twelve weeks from some people today. Um, but you know, I for for some reason uh, Cole Beasley just always sticks out as a guy who's going to kill the Eagles. So uh, <laughs> if. <laughs> If you know he's he's that slot edgy, receiver, edgy that, day, yeah. Um, but if if Malcolm Jenkins is back in, as your nickel corner, um, it's it's going to be a, a tough game. Obviously, the, the fans are going to be through the roof excited. Um, 
but it's it's obviously going to be a close game. I'm mean, furious at the Beasley family. Vic last week, Cole this week. Yeah, those Beasley Grace. Those two relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, Fran? No, I got nothing. Gotcha. I got nothing. I'm He's done. I'm. He's so yeah. I'm, we're. I'm tapped. We're spent. I'm gonna take a nap. So uh, everyone, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast again. Make sure to rate and comment and subscribe, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. Uh, Special thanks to Benny Logan for joining us here on the interview. So that's going to do it for us here. For Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Everyone, have a better Eagles week.